everybody. Welcome to another incredible episode of Unprofessional. I'm Jamie Newberry, and with me, your favorite pop, your, your other favorite podcast personality, Dave Wiskus. How are you today, Dave? I'm great, Jamie. That was a, that was a very excited <laughs> intro. I'm excited about my first time doing an intro. You've said I'm very also heavy. Excited. I'm also excited. We have a great guest today. Who do we have? We have Craig Hockenberry today. Oh my God. Hi, Craig. Hello, hello. What a wonderful surprise. <laughs> Are you genuinely surprised? Or did you know about it all along? I might have I already kinda, known. Yeah, yeah I kind of... It, it's, it's, uh, it's not really that much of a surprise, considering we've been clapping together before you know we started talking here. Don't so, ruin yeah. it, Craig. Don't ruin the podcast I'm magic. I, I'm giving away <laughs> your secrets, Dave. Are you the guy in the audience that of the magic show that points out? I know oh, how yeah, he did yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, 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 no. Hey, it, you know, it, it's the engineer in me. Right? You know, you're always <laughs> trying to figure out how something is done. It's just unavoidable. <laughs> even even if it's oh, so they clap before they start talking. Who knew? Who but knew? they still don't know why we clap. No, it's just no. to get us excited, everybody. Yeah, yeah. You gotta. You gotta hold something back. Yeah, it builds the enthusiasm for me. That's that's what it's like, all about. I like the idea of applause before we start the show, even though we don't know how it's gonna go. <laughs> Great just, idea. Just applaud. It's kind of like uh, you know, people in the startup community. They have those those like parties to celebrate their new startups because so, it's it's starting. It's celebrating the start of a race. They haven't accomplished anything yet. It's a starty. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the twenty fourteen starties. <laughs> I love it. The award goes to all of us. And there's balloons. Yeah, there's too much of that, you know, raw, Man, raw. It kind of is. It's I, just, yeah. if, if somebody does an awesome job, I'm all for giving them kudos and pats on the back and everything. But that, you know, that whole feel good about starting something is like, uh, so the hard work is so much ahead. It's just so much ahead. It's like, you know, you well, you haven't done anything yet. <laughs> there's, it's such a tough line because there's a point at which it does make sense to celebrate a little bit. You want uh, your friends, you want your friends to be happy for you. They should be proud of you that you're embarking on whatever it is you're about to do. Uh, your family, of course, maybe the people close to you business-wise should care. But the rest of the world, uh, you got to prove something. The, the whole point is that you've, you have a thing to prove you don't get the approval of the rest of the world until you prove it. Well, for, for me, it's always the the excitement is putting together the awesome team, right? If you put together an awesome team, you don't need fake excitement and <laughs> wanting to start on something, right? It's there every day. Yeah, it's, you know, if, 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 if you love the thing you're doing and the people you're doing it with, the enthusiasm is just natural and when you try to say oh yeah you're working with all these crappy people on this stupid project <laughs> let's love it well that, that actually brings about a question for you guys both of you which is more important the people or the thing the people the people you work with or the thing you're working on totally the people see mm. I, I think i picked the people as well it's, but the thing is important. Both. Yeah, oh. I was going to say it, it's kind of inseparable in, in my mind because it's, it's. I mean, you can have. I mean, I've worked on projects before with really great people with that didn't really have any direction, or you, know, you were kind of like in the back of your head looking at something going, 
Eh, this doesn't quite <laughs> He's work. He's a great guy, but... <laughs> yeah. You know, or vice versa, right? You know, you have a really great idea, a great project, and it's, you know, the people are, you know, you're fighting against them, and it's, you know, it's a constant battle to, you know, make the thing as awesome as you yeah. envision it being. So it's 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 kind of... It, it's they're equal uh, equal partners as as far as i'm concerned i've ended up in that situation more than the other way around most of the time that it's turned out poorly it's been because it was a great idea just the wrong people yeah i would i would agree with that i would agree with that there's the advice that you hear a lot in our business hey we're talking about work there's the advice you hear a lot which is that ideas are worthless it's the execution but i think that that the other side it was applicable to this conversation is that ideas are free and they're out there and they're easy. It's the execution that's hard. But what about the people? You the the team is really hard. Mm-hmm. The people aren't free. So if if I had to choose which one I'd want to start off with, I would choose the team because that's going to make a, a mediocre idea. The execution will be that much better. But the reality is, you're going to get better ideas as a result of the team. Yeah, because you can play off each other. The more I, I you know, I, I agree. <laughs> I do. I'm a big proponent for the the who and then the what. I guess, but yeah. I mean, I'm I'm kind of stupidly lucky right now because the things I do, I feel, are good things, and I'm also working with great people across the board. So maybe I'm just privileged and should shut up. Well, no, that's that's that. You put yourself into those situations, right? It's if you're not looking for good people and good projects you're you're missing out right it's it's i for me it's it's oh it's again it's those two things right and you're looking for both those things and you know there are fantastic people that i've would have never worked on because we haven't kind of had the right idea well does this uh does this also apply in uh let's call it the real world like let's say a marriage which which is more important the good marriage (laughs) or the right spouse well, one one right. equals the other. I yeah, think, so, that's exactly. That's so that's a case where they're in, in, inextricably entwined, right? It's uh, yeah, it's a good point. I've never really thought. I I hear it a lot. I've heard the question a lot. Interestingly, recently, um, a lot of people was like, you know, is it the project or is it like do what you love? It's all about doing what you love, but it's so much about the people you do that with too. Yeah, I mean, I I uh, for a while I was convinced that I got. I wanted to, to marry somebody, and it, you know, nine months later, it was like, what the hell am I thinking? Right? It was it's, all a it, trick. Was yeah, it exactly, exactly nine months? Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> oh, God, Dave. It's my mind that's supposed to be in the gutter, not yours. <laughs> I was trying to get some dirt. <laughs> no, no, I, I, it might have been less than nine months, and, and might have been more, but it was about that amount of time. And it's, and again, you know, again, I convinced myself that. You know, oh, this was a good idea, and I've done the same with projects. You know, it's like, oh, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> no, it's Haven't not. We all? Or yes. this person's going to be great to work with. No, yeah. they're not. <laughs> Most of my relationship experience kind of boils down to that. Starting in a place <laughs> of pure excitement, and everything is just right, and this is it, and I'm, I'm just so excited, and then yeah. I hit this wall, and I realized this was a terrible mistake. I should not have done this. I should not have. I, I should, never should have met this person. My life is over, and I have no choice. But I guess I have to marry them. I don't know how. I don't know how to back out now. 
Oh, it's like, you know, the, the engagement parties are like the, these starties that we were just talking about, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, everything's going to be great! No. It's true. Implosion. It's all starting with optimism. We're so optimistic, you know? Yeah, I want everything to be perfect. These startup parties, they really are like, instead of celebrating the engagement, <laughs> engagement you celebrate the first date. You have a first date party. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow, we went out on a date. We actually didn't, you know, want to kill each other. Everything's Ooh. awesome. It's going to be great. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Starties. Oh. I apologize by the way. We're going to we're probably going to hear my dog more than once. That's all right. I didn't know if you guys heard Zia. Zia walked in a minute ago, so. Yeah, I but I can I can I, trim that. I just got back. <laughs> I just got back from the from the beach and the dog ran around in the sand so he's conked out right now he's he's probably good for another uh, 45 minutes so. I, say, right. I just finished taking a nap with my dog so she's ready to like be up and play ah. so she's giving me that look she's giving me the why are you talking to yourself look right what well, are those things on your ears <laughs> she can't <laughs> she can't hear you guys she doesn't know what i'm doing i know that's the i'm i can't see pico i'm actually in a dark room right now so but and he's a dark dog. I'm gonna turn the light he's off hiding until he opens his eyes. Well, no, he's conked out. Aww. He's, he's, he's all happy and cuddled up. What kind of dog bed. is he? Uh, mutt. He's like uh, about a 15-pound terrier slash chihuahua slash Italian greyhound. Wait, there's a Italian greyhound in that dog? I think he's. I think he does have some. Because when he runs, he's. I've seen him at the dog park before, and when he runs... He runs very much like a, a Italian greyhound, you know that kind of that springy back legs, you know, well, long stretched out. Pixel runs like an idiot, so I I don't know. All bets are off as far as I'm concerned with Italian greyhounds. <laughs> she does this thing. I think it's because I've had her. Damn it! I've had jingling. Her, yeah, jingling in the background. She does this thing. I've had her since she was eight weeks old, and I've always had hardwood floors, so she's never been able to just open up and go for a run around the carpet oh. <laughs> so when when she's when she's needed to run around the house it's always been on potentially slippery floor as a result of this her back legs kind of go at the same time like she's she kicks she kicks like a bunny and her butt yeah, gets yeah. really low to the ground and it's the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen not elegant in any way but that's how she runs you get her out into an open field or something she runs like a no, like a, a very special bunny. Ah, <laughs> uh, she's unique. Uh, yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> I'm still not convinced she's a dog, Dave. She's a dog. I've had her checked. Okay. <laughs> oh, so how was the beach? Oh, uh, a little overcast, but the waves are big, so it's always. Where fun are to... you? Where are you based? Why don't I um, know that? I'm in Laguna Beach, California. Oh, okay. Southern California, beautiful. Yeah, about halfway between Los Angeles and San Diego. Very nice. Live in an old house built in the twenties, and that's a nice part of California. About five minutes away from the beach, if I walk slowly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that sounds pretty nice. It sounds like a great, a great place to be. That's my favorite part of California. Yeah, it's it's always nice to come back here. You know, we, my wife and I, travel quite a bit, but it's like. It's always, you come back and it's like, oh, this is a great place. <laughs> Where's the last place you visited? Uh, Baja, California, in a place called Cabo Pulmo. Sweet. Diving. Fancy. 
No, it's not fancy. It's it an sounds old fishing. Fancy. It's, it's an old fishing town. I've never town. been diving. Yeah, it's an old fishing town that they turned in. Uh, they basically made an area, this place Cabo Pulmo, into a marine preserve, and all the fishermen turned their boats into dive boats, and they started dive operations. And because it's protected, and they actually do a really good job of protecting it, there's all kinds of sea life. I mean, we we swam with uh, sea lions at one point. There were, you know, lots of reef sharks and schools of fish that just blew my mind. I mean, it's like you get down and there's probably 10,000 fish swimming around you in a circular patterns. It's like, it's, and all the colors that are, you know, flashing off the, the fish, it's, it's like you're hallucinating. It really is just that <laughs> kind of like, it's disorienting because everything, you know, you know you're standing still or you think you're standing still and everything's moving around you, but slowly and kind of evolving. And it's, uh, it's a pretty amazing uh, experience. That just sounds pretty incredible. I, I've never been diving or swimming with any sort of sea life and I don't know. It's something I think I should probably do, hopefully, before I die. But um, yeah. certainly not after. Certainly not after. That would be really, really weird, right? right well, that would yeah. be a, that'd be one hell of a, a thing. Last will and testament. Just make sure that before you <laughs> Just bury make sure them, I swim with the fish. <laughs> 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 don't don't bury me at sea. Just you know, put me in a wetsuit and and guide me around down there for an hour or two. Well, the good thing is, think of the money you'd save on a scuba tank. Mm. It's totally mm-hmm. doable. Very true. Very I guess true. the trouble would be getting not eaten by, let's say, a shark or a. Yeah, or a but at that point, does it even matter? Yeah, it's. I, I, I kind of <laughs> feel like it, it does. Over. I don't know. Uh, put me in a wetsuit and feed me to the sharks. Yep, swimming with the fish. That's what you should do it, Jamie. It's 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 one of those things. I've been I've always been fascinated with the water, and and you know my wife's been was got her uh, her certificate like in the early eighties. So we just you decided, are you know, certified I've, diver and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I've, I've only been certified for what about five years now. And it was purely because of her, you know. She was like, you know, we sh- you should get certified so we can go on dive vacations. And I was like, yeah, I should. And it's the best thing I ever did. It was like we had some awesome vacations. And just you know, you, you go, you know, did you do a few dives in the morning, two or three dives in the morning? You know, you get tired. You just hang around in the afternoon. You know, it sounds you're so you're totally, Yeah, yeah. You're so relaxed because you know you've done all your day's activity, and it's like you're someplace beautiful, and yeah, just hang out. Diving like sounds it. really cool. I don't know. I, I'm not sure why I haven't done it. Maybe it's because I don't that's, spend that much time at beaches. That's for me. I'm I'm not much of a swimmer. I'm a little bit. I, I will to be perfectly honest. I'm terrified of swimming. So like when when we were kids, my sister and I. Um, my sister did scuba diving. My dad did both. But he and I did skydiving. And so like um, I went skydiving with my dad. She went scuba diving with my dad. And and those were sort of our things. But like I 
I couldn't bring myself to do the scuba diving thing, but I'm as I get older and I I don't know it sounds more fascinating I guess and I'm getting less scared <laughs> of, of trying it. But yeah, Sky, skydiving though, skydiving. Yeah, you know what it is. Skydiving's I, not underwater. <laughs> I, and and I think I figured out what it is. I I am not averse to diving underwater. It's that I just I'm not afraid of swimming. I'm not afraid of sharks or anything. I mean I I'm reasonably afraid of sharks. I, f- I feel like that's a reasonable fear. Uh, what, I, I just don't think that I'm going to... I don't think the wetsuit's a good look for me. And that's what it's about? It's about the look? I think. I think that that's not going to work on me. I don't. I just don't think... Have you seen a skydiving outfit, Dave? Yeah, they're very <laughs> I forgiving. I like a flying Elvis. They're yeah. very forgiving. They're not skin tight. That's true. I don't feel like skin tight is, is going to flatter me. I mean, I, I have a little bit of a fear of heights, and that that has... That would, for me, be the big thing to conquer in skydiving is the, the height okay, thing. jumping. I mean, I did I did mountain climbing for a while when I was in Italy and, you know, did rock climbing and free climbing and stuff like that. And you can conquer that fear of heights, but it's that initial jump out of the plane into the unknown. Oh, man, the <laughs> oh, jump wasn't geez. the hard part. So I, I went skydiving. The jump. No, you did. Me. Yeah, the the jump wasn't the hard part for me. The hard the part landing. for me. No, no, that was that was also easy. The hard part was the trip up. What what about mm. the trip up? I oh man, um, how do I even describe this? I I went with a friend, my friend Nick, and it was a thing for our birthdays were kind of around the same time, so we decided to go skydiving together. I don't I don't know why it was probably my idea. It's the sort of thing that I would talk him into. So we get we get there, and the first day we go, the, the weather was too bad, and they wound up shutting the whole thing down, so we couldn't. So we went through all of the mental preparation, all of the trouble of getting there, just to be turned away. The next day we go back, we go, and we, we do the, the thing, we get flight suited up, and they, they, they're leading us onto the plane. And kind of like before I'll give a talk at a conference, or before I'll I'll get on stage to perform I could just get like really nervous, like just the pit of my stomach, like not just butterflies, but like fear. It, well, I would say butterflies, but butterflies feel that's like a, I think of butterflies and I think calm and, and you know, wistful and, and that sort of thing. What happens in my stomach is not any of the things that I, and not any of the adjectives I was used to, used to describe a butterfly, nothing, <laughs> nothing graceful or beautiful about what's happening in my stomach when I get that nervous. And so I get that, that churning, sick feeling. How long does it take you to get up to the altitude that, that you oh, it, at? You know, I didn't, I didn't time it, but I'm pretty sure it was something like nine or ten hours is what it felt like. <laughs> <laughs> this is never going to end. Right. And you're sitting, you're sitting in this little prop job. And it's a tandem jump, so I'm more or less sitting on some dude's lap. Oh, God. The way up there. See, oh, I didn't yeah. do a tandem jump. I did static line. That, ah. that, that may have also been smart. Uh, yeah. so the whole, the whole way up there, I'm sitting there and I'm just thinking about this thing that I'm about to do. And my stomach just keeps turning and turning. And all I could think about the whole way up was I, I, I just know, I just know that I'm going to get out of this plane. I'm not worried about dying. I'm not worried about anything bad happening to me. I, my fear is I'm going to shit my pants on the way down. <laughs> I love that. That's your fear. That's okay. my fear in life, Jamie. And the outfit. I don't know. The outfit didn't. <laughs> actually, the outfit would have helped because it was very uh, concealing. It was a jumpsuit. So if I hatchet my pants, they wouldn't know by look alone. That's, that's fantastic. Getting out, getting out of the plane, that was 
that was a happy moment for me. I was happy just to get the thing over with. Interesting. Interesting. They tell you you're supposed to, so you don't lock up, you don't pass out. They tell you as soon as you get out of the plane, you're supposed to scream. You can scream anything, just scream. And so my, th- I don't know why, but I decided that I was going to scream the word Chewbacca when I got out. But when, <laughs> when I actually did, because you don't jump at you, it's like a one, two, three rollout kind of a thing. Wow. Uh, it, it, uh, the best I could think of to, to, to scream at that point was just the word fuck as loud as I could. <laughs> the good news, happy ending. I did not shit my pants. Oh, I'm That's so good. relieved. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> we are mutually relieved for you, Dave. That's a, that is good. That's uh, I have to say the scariest part of skydiving for me was the landing. I was afraid I didn't have the uh, upper body strength at the time. I was nineteen. I had like little spindly stick arms, and I was afraid I didn't have the upper body strength to to pull the toggles, the brakes, basically. Mm. And uh, it, it all worked out. It wasn't a big deal. I, I did you three different die. jumps. I didn't die. I didn't. I didn't have any accidents. Um, it was all pretty good. Greg, you wouldn't do it. I, no, I I. I I would like to do it actually, but I, I know that I would have that that fear to conquer. It, and, and, and you know that's probably one of the reasons why I, I do these things. Is that's exactly why I did it. It's nice to be a little bit afraid sometimes, and yeah. to, I think it's to conquer that fear. You know, I can't imagine going through life and not fearing things. Yeah, exactly. And then it feels so good once you conquer a fear or overcome right. one of those scare, big, scary things. Yeah. I I love that feeling. I do. I agree. I think that's great. Now, see, now I'm going to have to um, scuba dive. It's like being afraid of sharks. It's a good fear to have. Like, I'm, not, I'm not saying don't go to the <laughs> beach afraid of sharks. I'm just saying that if there's a shark nearby, uh, my response is going to be to be a little bit afraid. Yeah. My first time of diving in the Caribbean... And we went down, first dive, new place. We were in the Turks and Caicos Islands. And we went down probably, what, about 60, 75 feet, somewhere in that area. And, I mean, I'd seen sharks before, right? And But it's like I noticed, oh, there's a, that one's kind of big. Ooh, <laughs> that one's moving me. <laughs> that guy thinks he's you know kind of a badass and everything. And I noticed the dive instructor's getting all excited. My wife is getting excited. And I'm like, well, what the hell? What the hell? Okay, whatever. Because I'd always you know seen you know reef sharks and things that are pretty much harmless. Well, it turns out it was a tiger shark. How do you yeah. make a shark even more terrifying? You put the word tiger in front of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's and, true. and it just, and I mean, it was big. It was, I mean, it wasn't being aggressive at all, but it just had that look of, I am the baddest ass fish around. <laughs> it's because it's called a tiger Don't shark. fuck with me. What yeah. other words could you put in front of a shark? It's like suicide bomber shark might be more terrifying, but that's about it. And, you know, and, yeah. and after they, and after we got up to the surface, you know, the dive instructor and my wife were saying, did you, did you see the tiger shark? I was like, that was a tiger shark? As a matter oh, of fuck. fact, I did. Thank you very much. Oh, my gosh. And, and it was interesting. You know, in the Caribbean, it's not common to see. In fact, the, 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 the dive instructor had only seen one uh, one time previously, and it was 10 years prior to, to that day. So, you know, once every 10 years, basically. And, and, you know, she was the kind of person that dove every day. So, <clears throat> yeah, that you know, sometimes you, you know there are things you should be afraid of, and you're not. 
The fear of things in water, I think, is real for me. Not specifically sharks, but other, and not even being eaten, I, I guess, necessarily. It's that they are so much underwater. There's so much stuff down there. I find that terrifying. Mm-hmm. It's, like it's, yeah. it's, it's a series of entire alien worlds stacked on top of each other. I think it's what it's, it's, you're used to. I mean, I grew up in California in the Pacific Ocean where you know, you're lucky to have like five feet of visibility. Right. It's right. A, you just can't see what's down there most of the time. <clears throat> where I've, you know, a friend of mine who grew up in, in, in Italy and swam in the Adriatic was used to seeing, you know, 20 or 30 feet, you know, could see everything below her. And, you know, she gets freaked out because she can't see what's there. Yeah, that, that so, might freak me out. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, it, and there's lots of stuff down there. I mean, I was I was just swimming on the ocean one day and and swam was swimming over the the seagrass and swam right in front of me a little leopard shark. You know, I was like, and leopard sharks are totally harmless, but just the fact that it was there it makes you think, huh. There's lots of stuff here that I just never see. I'm intimidated yet intrigued. Uh, I feel like I need to do this soon. I, I have the mental image of swimming around with sharks in my head now, and I might not be able to sleep again. <laughs> it's Shark Week on Unprofessional. It is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, that's the thing about skydiving. No sharks. No sharks. No sharks. Barely yeah, even any birds or bugs. I was just going to say, you know, do you have to, like, pick the bugs out of your teeth or anything like that? Or no, I mean, hazards? at least... What are the hazards of skydiving other than hitting well, really the just too the, fast? The whole meat slamming <laughs> into not earth thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. there are complications. If you if you land the wrong way, you can risk breaking a leg or something like that. So, well, and this this was kind of a, a embarrassing story, but my one of my jumps... Um, so, again, I was 19. I weighed, like, 112 pounds. It was a little thing and uh i did my little my jump it seemed like it took forever so static line it pulls the chute for you basically you have a line attached to the plane so you jump and your chute is immediately deployed almost and um it felt like the fall was forever like not the free fall part but the you know the chute is deployed and i'm just falling it felt like like a 20 minute ride down (laughs) and i get to the ground and that's when i started close to the ground i start getting nervous and I, you know, I have my little fear of my arms not being strong enough to pull the little brakes, and and I do all right, and and I, you know, I hit the ground, hit my with my feet, and then I kind of fall right on my butt. The pack is really heavy <laughs> that holds the parachute. I fall on my butt, and as I'm trying to get up, the wind picks up my chute. And I did this jump out here in Las Vegas. The wind picks up my chute, and I start like it drags me across the desert. <laughs> for a minute and i you know i'm just i'm on my back i'm being drugged through bushes and then it stops for a second and i you know sit up and i see all the guys come running for me like my dad and a couple of the other guys like the trainer and and whatnot and they're like running toward me and then the wind picks up and drags me again and i don't know i did that two or three times before they caught up with me and and helped me my dad was trying to shout like cut away cut away (laughs) but i you know i'm just kind of sitting there being drugged through the desert so i had all these little bushes and things stuck in my helmet and that was fine it didn't hurt that also sounds terrifying (laughs) did you get the name tumbleweed the nickname tumbleweed after that it's it's kind of a vision that it it comes up in my mind right you're just tumbling through the 
that was it. It was just like being drugged. I'm like those westerns where they drag the man behind the horse. <laughs> it's, well, it's tricky with a parachute. You want to make it easy to release if something like this is going on, but not so easy to release that you do it by mistake while you're still floating through the air. Yeah, you literally have to cut the cut the cords, and you know you have your little knife on there, and they teach you how to do that. But you know that actually didn't even occur to me. I was on the ground; everything was fine. And then I, you know, I don't know. It was very weird. That was sort of a weird experience, and it only happened on one of those those first three jumps there. But it was very interesting. I, when I landed, I landed face down with a dude on top of me. <laughs> That's a beautiful as, as we're coming down, he and says, he was wearing an Elvis suit. <laughs> <laughs> he was wearing nothing at all. As we come in for landing, he keeps telling me, pull your knees up. And so I'm like, how do I... What? <laughs> trying to figure that out. It's like, stick your legs out in front of you. I don't, I don't know what you mean. So when we, <laughs> when we came down, I didn't really do that. I just pulled my knees straight up. Like, I don't know. And so... We land, and I, I don't know how to describe this accurately, but like his, my legs are pulled up, his legs hit the ground, and we just kind of fall forward. And I guess as you fall forward, my legs are supposed to stop us because they're sticking out in front of me. And then we that like tripods us somehow. I don't know. I don't know. What I do know it all is that so fast. What 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 actually happened was uh, we land, his legs hit, and then we just kind of fell forward. And my face hit dirt. I was okay. I mean, we didn't hit the ground so hard that it did any damage. And I think maybe the adrenaline of, of the thing. We just, like, we just got up and I ran off. I was so excited. You ran off? You had to detach? Well, yeah, I had to. I, I guess he unhooked situation. me or something. But I ran over to my friend Nick because we were both we had both landed roughly the same time. And it was kind of an, oh, my God, that was awesome. It is a cool experience. I, oh. I wanted to go again. Like, immediately I wanted to go again. And I vowed that I was going to go back and get, like, my, my jump certification so i could jump by myself and all of that i never did it what other kind of stuff do you guys do that's i was just gonna ask it's like yeah have either one of you ever done whitewater rafting i have never done that that actually that sounds quite terrifying to me but fun maybe yeah that's that's that's, that's like next thing on my bucket list is that that i want to try doing oh maybe i should do that that also does sound coordinate a trip here yeah A very special unprofessional. We'll go do that and then we'll come back and we'll finish the episode. That would be fantastic. I would do it. I would do it as a, I could do it now being, I'm 32. I I could, I could convince myself that doing this would be a good idea and something that I should do as as a life experience and I should get out of my apartment and go and live five years ago, 10 years ago, even two years ago. There's no way I would have done it. Yeah. Being in your fifties, like I am, you start to realize okay i don't have a whole lot of years to be able to do crazy stuff like this so i better do it now or it it's all. not gonna happen yeah. yeah so you start doing things like lots of drugs yeah <laughs> like i, I remember twitter i remember your epic acid <laughs> trip at wwdc last year that was incredible yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> silence <laughs> silence while, while the audience tries to figure out was that that was a joke right that was a that was a joke that was it was a joke it's okay yeah craig, yeah. craig did not really at least yeah. to the best of my knowledge he, he did that, not yeah that's a joke acid. so whitewater rafting you haven't done it but you're gonna do no. it no no that's that's next on the on the list i think i used to be really active outdoors i really am not so much i don't know in the last 10 years i was yeah, I used to do, like mountain biking. I did a lot of mountain biking, and uh, I don't know what else do you guys. We, we have to do it because we all sit around 
behind we, these we computers do. all the time. Yeah, it's, it's so like it's, true. it's so it's. I mean, I love the work I do, but you really got to get the hell away from it. Just gotta go. I agree. I you need do. a. I need a thing. It seems like all of my hobbies still keep me indoors. Yeah, I've kind of been. Yeah, similar. I started writing more and 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 all of these sorts of things. But yeah, I I have young kids. I want to get them out and teach them healthy lives and all that good stuff. But I I also want to do more outside. I don't know. Well, now I think I'm in a good place. I mean, literally a good place, New York, because it's there's so much to do here. It's hard not to want to go outside and just stare up at the buildings and things like that. And my my hope coming here, one of my hopes was that I would leave my apartment more. I would actually go outside and, and do things. And now that I got my dog here. You can walk your dog. I can, I can, well, I mean, there's like, you know, a ton of snow out there right now. So that's not, yeah, happen. it's a little winter in New York. It's yeah. not necessarily the most conducive you know, you, you, for out of doors. You, you can get little booties for your dog. Dave. <laughs> they make true. them. In fact, they come from a can- company in Canada. <laughs> that's of so course. awesome. I've yeah. tried that. I've tried putting those on her, and she does this thing where she just like lifts her feet way up. In the oh, air it's, when she it's walks. like oh, you 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 put you put weights on my feet. I can't <laughs> exactly. move. She's, she, and she like stare at her paws while she's walking. And she kind of like yeah. and she'll stop and stare up at me and whine. Like, what, what is the, this? What the fuck did you do to me? It's true. <laughs> you know, sometimes it gets cold here in California. And I've got to put a sweater on the dog, you know, just because it's like <laughs> it's 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 cold, and I know he's gonna freeze his ass off. And when you say cold, you you're talking on, like 58 degrees, right? Yeah, under 50. Uh, yeah, it gets, it gets, I don't know what I'm saying, I know here in Las Vegas, it gets cold here. I mean, we get in the 20s, you know, occasionally. I know, I know that's a different cold than zero colds and whatnot, but. Yeah, well, luckily your cold is also a dry cold. Yeah, usually. it's a dry cold, a dry cold and a dry heat. I love mm-hmm. it. Everything's it's, dry. It's all dry here. It's true. These are fine points you make, <laughs> Mr. Hockenberry. Yeah, I'm a fine point maker. <laughs> Speaking of fine points, I'd like to take a moment to thank this episode's first sponsor, Velocity. We all have way too much to read and not enough time to read it. The new app from my friends at Lickability, and that's right, their name is Lickability, Velocity is the only speed reading app designed and developed exclusively for iOS 7 that solves this problem. Using a speed reading technique called Rapid Serial Visual Presentation, or RSVP, you can breeze through your Instapaper, Pocket, or Readability queue at speeds of up to 1,000 words per minute. Speed read websites, documents, or just about any text in one of Velocity's three gorgeous themes and save more time than you know what to do with. See Velocity in action at VelocityApp.com and download it on the App Store for only $2.99. Read faster, one word at a time, with Velocity. The uh, Lickability guys are friends of mine. I've been on the beta for Velocity for quite some time, and their determination to get this thing right, the amount of effort they put into it is uh, pretty fantastic. They're very committed to the app. They're very committed to getting this right. So uh, great app. Check it out, velocityapp.com. There's no custom URL or anything there. So what you should do is you should get the app and then leave it a five-star review. And in the five-star review, you mentioned that we sent you, and uh, I I guess that's how they'll know. It's the best I can think of. So where, where you were about to go somewhere, Jamie? Where were you about to go? I was actually I was just curious. Where else? Where else have you traveled? I'm very curious about your travels. You said you and your wife travel a lot. I'm yeah, curious. Actually, there, yeah. There's actually I had actually forgotten about uh, the Colorado over New Year's. Oh, so, which what? part? Sure, as uh, soon as I leave. Yeah, well, that it made it safe again, Dave. <laughs> it was time for a starty. <laughs> no, we went to uh, to Beaver Creek, which is near Vail, 
Mm -hmm. skiing. Yeah. Another thing I've never done. I'm realizing as we're discussing things right now, I am super boring. You you lived in Colorado. You didn't ski. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. I think you have a lot of disappointed people out there now, Dave. Disappointed? Why disappointed? It's a perfect opportunity. I I basically learned to ski when I was living in Italy, and I was like, where Denver is to the snow, that was me to the snow in Italy. And I was living in the Italian Alps (laughs) equivalent of, of Denver, and it was awesome. I mean, you could just go, you know. 30 minutes but what minutes, was the you know, what was your ski situation Did you, you wake know. up one day and decide i want to go ski and you get in your car and you take yourself to the mountain and you you find somebody to teach you to ski no you, you have, you have friends at ski you you uh-huh. ski see, clubs they're this you know. is this is the problem see all of my friends who skied they were they'd been skiing their whole lives so nobody wanted to ski with the guy who had never been skiing and i don't even know like I guess you go to a sporting goods store and you buy things. I have no idea. Like there was nobody. I kept telling my friends for years. I've told my friends, I would love to do this. Let me know when you're going. And I'll, 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 I'll tag along and figure this out. Never once did that happen. So it's not as a result of me being like, fuck skiing. I'm never doing that. It's just, it didn't work out. Yeah. No, I, 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 I understand the problem of skiing with people that are a lot better than you. Luckily I had a couple friends who were the same level that I was. And it was, uh, yeah, we would ski together, and then the good skiers would come along and say, "Hey, follow us!" And again, again, that's that's sort of when I started getting into the uh, scary situations and having to <laughs> dig myself out. You know, oh yeah, let's go ski down this avalanche chute. Oh Ooh. sure. <laughs> so when you say Smart. dig yourself out, were you being pretty literal there? <laughs> You have uh, to dig was, yourself out of some avalanche well, situations. The only, well, the only avalanche I was I was actually on top of some snow that moved, and Ooh. it only moved like five feet, which was thank God. But yeah, it's you know the, the here in the U.S. everybody grooms the slopes pretty religiously, or the, at least it's really well marked when you go out of the groomed area. Right, right. In Italy, it's just like. Yeah, whatever, you know. <laughs> Ask before you go. It's a surprise. Yeah. Well, the, the Italians are just a... Signage in, in Italy is just sort of a ad hoc thing. It's like there's no kind of rules where you need to put up signs. It's just like, eh, should there be a sign here? Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> we'll see. So, well, and you, you get kind of used to that and wow. figure out that... How do you end up living in Italy? Uh, I was working for a company in California that used a company in Italy as a distributor. So they wanted me to go over there and help out the operation. So basically, I lived in Italy for four years, all expenses paid. Oh, that's killer. In my 20s. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just as the internet was getting started, too. So that's like I was one of the first people around to actually have email and really need it so right. i mean if there's if there's anything you want it's to have that to impress the ladies it's yeah like, oh yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> pretty awesome <laughs> like, wait 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 you've got email yeah uh, yeah was, what are you doing later well i was gonna say something say say something in italian with email in it but it, it's kind of stupid because the italians call email email I think that makes it even better. It's a series of Italian words. But you could say, you know, posta elettronica or something like that, maybe. But, it, you know, that's kind of a contrived, you know, it's just email. 
I think living in a foreign country for any period of time is one of those things that people should just do. I, I, that's a that's a total first world white person thing to say, but like if you've got the ability to do it, you you should. I agree, a hundred percent. I lived in Italy for four years, and then after that, I basically the relationship between these two companies. It's like okay, you need to you know we're going to cancel the contract, and you need to come back to California. So I came back to California for a few months, and that's got to be um, weird. Like, do, don't you don't? Oh, is, was, is there some was, part of was, you that's like no? It was a, it was a totally reverse culture shock. I mean, I was like totally Italianized at that point. I was, you know, <laughs> italicized. Uh, you know. Italicized. <laughs> I was leaning a little bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't, you know, this is before you know, coffee was a, a big deal, right? And you know, I you know, I've been having awesome coffee every morning. You know, with a you know, a, you know, great croissant and a good coffee. And I came back here to California, and it's like there's no Starbucks wasn't in California at that point. There wasn't any good coffee. I mean, it's like, ugh. There's going to be a certain percentage of our audience that is going to think yep. that what you mean there is that Starbucks is good coffee. No, 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 no. That's I mean, and, and the, I meant that you could get something out of a you know a you know pressure espresso. Right. I, I I just wanted to save you the hate mail. Oh, no, no, <laughs> they give you a chance to clarify that right Star- now. Because- Starbucks is awful. Starbucks is awful. That is, that, 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 where Starbucks totally fucks it up as far as I'm concerned. It's with the milk. Okay, Starbucks, good. It's, 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 Starbucks it's- coffee is... I mean, the coffee itself is... Eh, okay. But it's like when they... they the, the milk is too fucking hot and it's too fucking stiff. Good. I just want to make sure you didn't... I, I want to give you an opportunity to avoid the angry phone call from Marco. <laughs> Yeah, he's the coffee police, isn't he? He's he's hardcore. Some passionate coffee fans out there, for sure. No, so so I, yeah, I had that I had that reverse culture shock, you know. It just was like, oh, what am I doing here? And I actually ended up then going to Australia for four years because it's like uh, I need to get out of Dodge for a little. Get bit. Get some good good coffee. That's yeah. Oh, they, that, that that was the thing. It's like it, I, you know, I'd, I'd taken this trip uh, over Christmas break to. Uh, to Sydney and to visit some friends and you know it's summertime there over the Christmas and you know they had good coffee the food was awesome the weather was awesome and it was like and they spoke English I didn't have to learn another language I already <laughs> learned Italian and it's like the first year of learning a new language is kind of tough so you know I was like eh, I could learn another language but you know it's kind of kind of rough um, but then so I got to Australia and I was like, okay, this is, this is where I want to be. And yeah, that sounds that's, there for that's how I travel. I, I only go to countries. It's, my checklist is, is it, is it white people and do they speak English? I'm joking. That's not my actual. That's just, it seems like every time I travel, it, it works out that way. I, I, I never get an opportunity to learn another language because I'm always going to like English speaking white people countries. Sure. I, really I was, that's one of the things I was excited about when I lived in Amsterdam. I thought, Oh, I'm going to get a chance to learn Dutch. No, they don't care. They don't want you to learn Dutch. They don't want you to bother. That didn't work out. When I went to Hong Kong, I was excited. I thought maybe I get to pick up a little bit. Nope. They all speak English. It's like, well, damn it. It was actually hard for me in it- in Italy to, to, to get people to speak Italian to me. Cause they always, everybody wanted to practice their English on me. Right, yeah. it's like you know, oh. So what happened so much? Those selfish Italians. Was, no, and I, I, I can't <laughs> blame them. I'd be doing the same thing. In fact, what happened was that I would start speaking Italian to the Italian person, and they would respond in English. And then you know, <laughs> and then some third party walks up and goes, 
what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> the Americans speak in Italian and the Italians speak in English. Ah. It's all messed up. <laughs> That's I have great. I have the opposite problem where I'll start speaking Dutch to a Dutch person and they'll continue on in Dutch. They don't get the I, I don't know from my accent or or my my terrible Dutch. They don't pick up on the fact that I don't actually speak Dutch. So I end up in these awkward situations where I'll be two or three sentences into a conversation and then I just have to like like breaking character. I have to like step yeah. out and go, okay, you know what? I've been lying to you. I don't actually speak Dutch. We've reached the limit. This is all I can do. On my, I was, uh, I just flew over to Poland, and it was a, it was a KLM flight to Amsterdam, and then another leg over to Poland. And on the way, the the one of the flight attendants, uh, Dutch, uh, she asked if I wanted tea or something, and I thought here's an opportunity for me to practice my limited Dutch. And so I start the converse. I I respond in Dutch, and we get two or three sentences in before she asks me something, and I just have to do the the ashamed. I don't know what you're saying. I don't. I, I don't actually speak that much Dutch. She's like, oh, do you want, do you want lemon in your tea? I'm like, damn it, I should know that. Right. <laughs> and then she had this confused future. look, though. She's like, but you were speaking Dutch. Why did you stop? I thought you spoke Dutch. Like, yep. the, the thing that I just normally read, the, the look on their face when this happens, she says it all out loud, which made me feel that much worse. So I'm probably never going to speak Dutch again. It, you have to go, to, in, in my experience, is if you're in larger cities and things like that, you You've, there are a lot of people that can get by in English. I was lucky, actually, to be living in a fairly small town where if you ran out of Italian words, you ran out of Italian words. You couldn't just, <laughs> you couldn't bring up the English. And I got very good at saying, well, how would you say such and such a thing with such and such and such and such and such and such, and such words, right? You know, it's like you would kind of decompose things like you know i just did a moment ago you know it's like you know if i didn't know how to say email i'd say well i know how to say mail which is posta i know electronics right. is electronica so posta electronica and they go huh oh <laughs> email <laughs> right you know nice. so you, you you know it's like uh, and you also get good at hand gestures one of the most embarrassing things that happened to me early on was, that's a stereotype craig <laughs> what the hand gestures what? italian people uh, hand gestures. no they, <laughs> i i was <laughs> in truth well you, you go to a pharmacy in italy and it's not like there's rows that you walk up and down and find what you need you walk up to a counter and you ask for what you need well i needed the toothbrush so <laughs> I, you like, I, gesture, had, yeah. no, I had no idea how to say toothbrush so i'm you know i got my hand I start, making, I start making a little toothbrush motion. And, of course, everybody else is at the counter looking at this guy who's six foot seven in Italy, right, and making this toothbrush gesture, and everybody starts laughing. And, and, then, and the lady behind the counter goes, ah, spazzolino. And I, and I will never forget that word. I'm going to go to my deathbed remembering that spazzolino is toothbrush. That might have just meant tourist. Yeah. <laughs> Idiot! <laughs> <laughs> it, that, it was it, it was it was one of the hardest things I've ever done, um, but it's also one of the most rewarding. And I, and back to your point, Dave, that you learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about the culture you grew up in. I mean, my opinion of the U.S. changed a lot. Yeah, seeing it from the other side of the ocean. Yeah. My political views changed a lot. 
Yeah. I I was very um not conservative, but very liberal like hardcore libertarian and my views on things like guns and uh healthcare living in another country, it's it it baffles me now looking back that we don't when we're trying to think of how these problems are going to affect our country, things like guns or healthcare or uh whatever why we uh, the big one the legalized marijuana issue why we don't in the course of these conversations look at other countries that have had the same problems why we don't look at the 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 most famous place in the world that has legalized marijuana and see if the things that we're worried about affecting us have affected them because the answers are universally no uh let's look at the places that have had gun problems or allow guns or disallow guns to whatever degree and see how that affects their culture. And these things of course don't translate one to one, but we can get a clearer picture and we're so bad as a country, as a culture at looking outside ourselves to see how the rest of the world works. We act as if we're the first people to ever have these problems. It's the thing that you realize after a while is that people are people. I mean, it sounds a little bit trite to say that, but human nature is it's, it has culture can influence it but you know people have you know families they live their lives they have to eat every day they have bodily functions they get sick you know there are a lot of things there that that we all have in common and yeah it's like you know the policies that you put on top of that can be different and, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, the first time you go to Amsterdam and, you know, you see hookers sitting in the window and people smoking, you know, marijuana out on the street openly. It's kind of weird. It's awkward. But it's like, it's like, eh. even as a Works. fairly socially liberal sort of person, I'm totally OK with those things conceptually. But being face to face with them for the first time was yeah. a little bit jarring. It was a little yeah. bit. I felt like I was doing something wrong just being there. I mean, you know, nude beaches, you know, it's like the topless beaches in Italy. It's like, you realize there are a lot of people you don't want to see topless. That's true. That's true. Really? And it's not about, oh, you know, oh, we're going to see some tits. No, it's not that. <laughs> it's, you know, after a it's while, just, I mean, how, how, I don't know, after you're like your 400th boob in the last 45 seconds, how excited are you about boobs? <laughs> no, it's, yeah. It's, <laughs> well, no, but it, it's, it's, you know, it's it, one of the things, you know, when I was in Italy is that they had the first uh, war in Iraq. And my view of that was totally different because it was like close. It was like, I, I, it's, you know, from Italy to the Middle East, it's like, you know, it's not right next door, but it's close it's, enough. Yeah, it's not, it's not a, it's not a war that's a long ways away. It's, it's, kind of like you know okay they're having a war in new york and you know i'm in texas kind of thing yeah it's kind of like uh uh, we just keep let's take it one more level of seriousness when (laughs) uh, after after 9 11 even people nowhere in this country near new york there was a it it resonated because of how close to home that hit despite the fact that like from new york to la is a very long distance right it's still because we're all sort of in this together uh, culturally and to a certain degree geographically being a uh, continuous country in that way the being in europe slash middle east slash you know that that chunk of the world it's not next door but it feels like it is yeah it's uh and 
you get used to the there being borders, right? You know that 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 you're in one country and there's another country just close by. I mean, for you know us being in Italy, you know, to get into France or Switzerland was you know like an hour's drive. It's just you know, it was close. You know, maybe that's it because we've got in the U.S. we've got a neighbor to the north and a neighbor to the south, and that's really it. Right. We never see. You know, ninety nine percent of the population has never been across that border either. Right. And our our neighbors to the north and south, the, the neighbors of the south, we're mostly complaining about, and the neighbors of the north, we're mostly making fun of. <laughs> it's not like there's a there's any real uh, political or, or uh, violent tension between us and our neighboring countries. We don't know what it's like to be, to live next door to a country and be at war with them. Mm. Yeah. It's like, it's so. just culturally, we don't have that where when you're in Europe, you, you walk long enough and you've traveled six countries. Yeah. They're all just kind of stacked up on each other like that. Maybe that view changes. Uh, I don't know. It, it kind of just kind of a reminder that borders and all that are just kind of, kind of made up. And, that drives home the fact that just because it's four countries away doesn't mean that if stuff is blowing up, it doesn't scare you a little bit because those bombs are still kind of close. Man, it really did get all serious in here. It did. Oh, it got all serious. Oh, Remember when we were talking about swimming with sharks and stuff? Well, that's yeah. also serious. <laughs> this is the danger episode. It's not just shark week. It's just danger. <laughs> danger week. Do you, say, do, you, do you say shark week? Well, I'm laughing. I'm la- I'm laughing because after so many episodes of we couldn't avoid it. Every episode, Lex would take it to a place of talking about poop. We did and it. I th- and I thought I thought this will be the one in memory of Lex. <laughs> this this will be you know this will be now that Lex is gone. We can we can just keep going with the not talking about poop, and then we talked about poop this week. We did it. Is is it full circle? Is it is it my fault? That's kind of kind you know, of my actually, fault. Actually, actually, I you know I'm a little bit disappointed that that, that Jamie's the, you know your new host because I was really wanting to talk to Lex about butt fountains. <laughs> I'm so sorry to disappoint you. Are you were you excited about the butt fountains? No, I just came up with a good name for him. I think butt fountain. You know, he calls it what it what the, the, the thing he's got the bidet. No, it's 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 like a little that's got a fancier name. It's a bidet well, sounds pretty fancy to me already. Yeah. <clears throat> but it, it, you know, I I think it you could sell a lot more in the heartland of America if you called them butt fountain. <laughs> you might be onto something. It's all in the marketing. It, yeah, exactly. It's a more marketable term. Yeah, but it's going to get all Americanized and extreme, and it's going to be like super soakers or slip and slides, and they're just going to do like all kinds of weird, wacky shit with them. Yeah, there you exactly. Go. Or yeah. Well, you're going to have like the 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 arms race of men's razors problem where it's you get well this one has four jets yeah yeah and then johnny i will come along and you know come up with one that just has you know one perfectly balanced gentle stream, stream of water <laughs> that always temperature your accurate yeah for your body temperature it's regulated yeah, exactly yeah. Uh, you can control it with your iphone <laughs> what we need is a nest for bidets <laughs> yep that's it 